Lord, we just thank you for Mike, for his humble heart and for his ears and heart open to you. Lord, in adversity, we sometimes can forget your presence. But Lord, help us to sing in the rain, to dance in the puddles, and to know that you are always with us. Whatever adversity we meet, that you will be strong for us and that you will never forsake us. Just bring your spirit to Mike now as he opens his heart and speaks your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. How are we? Are we all all right? Yeah? Enjoying the rain? It's British summer at its finest. So, uh, right, bear with me just two seconds. Wake my ancient laptop up. And hopefully, within seconds, things will begin to work. Press the button there. Oh, look at that. Can you read that okay? Yeah? Okay, I've got a nice view from here. It looks very vibrant at the back there, but it's always great up there. Anyway, we're talking this morning, Joy from Jail was what Adrian asked me to speak on. So we're continuing, I think this is the last one in the series from Philippians, actually. Um, It probably is because it's the last chapter of Philippians, unless somebody wrote an extra one. But um, but yeah, we're going to focus on a small part of this. Um, He said, speak on what you want. So I will. And uh, yeah. A little bit of background into this reading before we, before we go into reading it, actually, um, is Paul wrote this letter while under house arrest. He was in prison, but it was kind of a house arrest. Or the general belief, if you, if you do a bit of research into this, is that um, he traveled back to Rome to a house that he possibly rented. And um, because the Jews weren't particularly happy with him at the time, they were never happy with him, they were never happy with any Christian, um, they decided that they were going to you know, try and get him on trial again. The Romans couldn't really see a problem with Paul, um, which, was, which is interesting, but the Jews really, really didn't like him. So he appealed to Caesar, as far as I'm aware. I'm sure a theologian will tell me that I'm completely way off on this, probably, but um, I, I believe I have it from a good source. And... Uh, yeah, he was, he was under house arrest awaiting trial. So whilst he was in house arrest, people would come and visit. He would still spend time speaking to them about Jesus and um, preaching the gospel. But he, was, he, he, he refers to this as being in chains for Christ, even though he was in a home. So it wasn't like the pits that he'd been in sometimes, some of the dungeons where you know, he was chained and shackled. It wasn't like he was on you know, one of the ships that he was quite often, you know, sent off into exile and things like that. He was, he was in a home, but he was under this house arrest. I guess the modern day version is having a tag. Mine's off, so that's right. I'm allowed to go around everywhere. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, he, was, he was under this house arrest. And um, it's, um, it, it, it pro- provoked me to ask a few questions, because he, he writes a lot of the letters in the, in, in the Bible from from, from being in prison in these chains and things. And um, there is this little, little part which we'll get onto that, that just got me to think, how? How do you live this life for Christ when all that seems to happen to you is you're, you're mocked, you're put in prison, you're exiled, you're beaten, you know, you're flogged. How, what, is, what is your secret? Because for me, sometimes, you know, being, being slightly picked on for having a faith is enough to, to put me in depression, you know. It really does. So, so what, what is it that's, that's going on here that, um, 
that he knows what is his, his, his secret, secret of uh, you know, understanding and, and things like that, that that gets him through all of this. And uh, it, it's this word rejoicing, and we'll come on to this, but I, I did a quick flick through. Um, I have been paying attention to the sermons when Adrian's been speaking, but I kind of went back over Philippians anyway, just to sort of get a bit more of an understanding and a depth into this. And I would encourage all of you to do the same sort of over the next couple of weeks. Just read through this letter because it's one of these letters that actually when you start to dig into it, you, I was baffled, like I just said. It, it, I was baffled because all the way through it, he talks about rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing in Christ. This, this man is full of joy, even though he's going through trials and testing and he's been placed under this house arrest. And this started to make me question what, you know, what is it? What is it about this? So my first thought was, you know, that there is some kind of happiness going on here. There is something that is making him exceedingly happy. And um, I thought to myself, I'll, I'll try this. You know, I'll be happy for a day and see how far I get. And to be quite honest with you, the first thing that I discovered was that I got face ache because I was walking around like this all day. And if you try that, I remember when me and Emily got married, that, you know, it's one of those days which is wonderful. It is one of the best days of your life. But by the end of it, you want to be miserable. Just for five minutes, you want your face just to drop back into some sort of normal position because you stood there like this while everybody's going, can I have a picture of you, please? And you go, yeah. And you're walking around and you feel like the joker out of that. And you've got this permanent cheeks up here and everything. And it hurts. It hurts after a while, you know. So there is this thing of where I just wanted to, to, to when, we, when we left, just go, oh. You know, and, and, and frown just for a minute. Not because I was unhappy. I wasn't, like I've just said, you know, I'd married the love of my life. So I was extremely happy. But just for a minute, I wanted my face just to feel fresh, you know, and not like this. Because that is difficult to keep up. And it's fake. Everyone sees through that as well. Trying to be happy all the time, walk around with that clown smile on your face, it is fake. Everyone will, will see through that at some point. They'll see past the, you know, the teeth and the cheeks and everything. So there was this thing of the pursuit of happiness. You know, was, it, was it happiness that he was chasing? And um, we'll, we'll go over this a bit, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was. Um, so the reading this morning that we're going to look at, or the main part that we're going to focus on, is Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to go from verses 4 to 13. Most of you will know this. It's quite a famous, famous part of the Bible. It's, it's quoted often, um, particularly verse 13. But we'll read from verse 4 this morning. And it said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. 
Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know, that, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content and in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. So there, there seems to be this thing that Paul is full of joy. Okay? I don't think it's much to do with, with him particularly being happy all the time. And I think that's where I got, got my, my first impressions of this thing quite, quite wrong. He wasn't just happy. Prob- it, to be quite honest, if he was in a prison, if he was you know, in, in house arrest, he probably wasn't very happy at all about the situation. You know, he's, he's being scrutinized for his faith, his beliefs and everything. And, uh, and the Jews just want to do away with him. I can't imagine that he was particularly chirpy about the, the whole affair at all being locked away in his, in his house. And um, he's under Roman guard. You know, and the Jewish leaders, they're out to get him. You see, the problem with happiness is that however wonderful it may be, it just, it just doesn't last. Now, there are several things in life that make me happy. And one of them, um, a, a, a very modern one, is, is the app, Instagram. I like this app quite a lot. Okay, it's one of these things that um, I wouldn't say it fills me with joy, but it definitely makes me very, very happy. I quite like being nosy, having a look at the people's pictures. And um, I've managed to whittle down the people that I follow to, to just nice pictures. I've got rid of all the foodie ones because they just make me want to eat, which isn't good because it's usually cakes and things like that. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of follow a few friends, you know, see what they're up to and things like that. And, uh, and musicians, that is a good one for me as well. I'm very much into my music. So I kind of check out their, their profiles. And um, I, I, I often post things on there myself. Uh, I had to, uh, there, there is a little bit of a lie behind this. Uh, this isn't one that I've posted. I had to steal this from my wife's Facebook account. I actually looked on my profile and realized that I haven't actually put any photos of my family. They're all of <laughs> just me and the kids. Um, <laughs> but here is a wonderful family photo. Don't you think that's lovely? Don't we all look absolutely ridiculous? Now, looking at that photo, you can see that we are all happy, even with our tongues hanging out of our mouths. But the reality behind that photo, and the reality behind most photos that go onto, uh, onto my Instagram account, is that prior to that lovely photo that you're all looking at, there was a good 10 minutes of pleading with the kids, please just take one photo. Please just be good, just for two minutes. And you finally get everybody in shot. And Lacey, my daughter, is just sat there going, I don't want to take a photo. Mummy, why do you always take photos? It's annoying. It's ridiculous. Why do you always have to do it? So then comes the bribery. Well, if you do it, then we'll give you some chocolate. Okay. And then Ruben's face drops. Why does she get chocolate? I'm not getting chocolate. You know, so then the bribery continues. Please, Reuben, just take this nice photo with us. Let's do a silly face. We'll make it a little bit more fun for us all. Let's just, you know, all get a picture that everyone can look at and think, haven't they got it together? At which point I'm going, they're getting chocolate. Why am I not getting chocolate? I want chocolate. And it continues, you know. But eventually we get this snapshot of our lives, which goes up, you know, one day on Facebook and everybody starts to click like. Haven't you got a lovely family, Em? Aren't they gorgeous? You look very, very happy. 
you know, but as soon as that photo's taken, the kids have run off and they're doing something completely different, you know, and they're completely sick and tired of taking photographs. And the thing, the truth behind that even more is that that was probably shot number 47 as well, because Emily's going, oh no, I've got a double chin, let me just move, you know. And, oh, somebody's not looking at the camera, you know, let's move around a little bit more. Look at the camera, guys, you know, and it, it takes ages, and by the end of it, we're actually all quite miserable and fed up. But you would never get it looking at that, would you? But the truth is, even though that's very, very silly, the, the happiness, happiness, it just doesn't last. It is, it is an emotion. It's a little bit of a fickle one sometimes, I think. It comes and it goes. You know, minutes after that, we're all in floods of tears because there is no chocolate for us all in the fridge. You know, we've all been lied to. <laughs> and the depression continues. Um, <laughs> but... That, that, that happiness, it, it doesn't last. You know, we, we go through life and there are, there are things in life which are wonderful and brilliant and make us happy for a moment. Um, I remember back in 2016, it was quite a long time ago by today's standards, and I got myself a brand new mobile phone. This was the top of the range at the time. Okay, and uh, I walked into the shop and they offered me a really good deal on this phone. Um, I got to take it away for free. Free. I got an iPhone for free that day. They said, take it away. There is no charge. And I just thought, this is brilliant. It's got a 4K camera. I've got no way of playing or viewing 4K photos, but it's got a 4K camera. You know, it does slow-mo videos and everything. You can put hundreds of apps on here because it's got more storage and everything. I thought, this is absolutely amazing. And I was so pleased with this, and it brought me much happiness until the first of the next month, where I got a bill for £50. And the happiness drained very quickly. And I thought, this phone is stupid. It is not worth it. You know, this is not bringing me happiness anymore. There is money going out my account for this item. I've been lied to. I was told it was free. But the contract kicks in. And the reality is that that happiness quite quickly vanishes because the bills start to come in. And you start to, to realize, well, actually, I've got to pay for this, you know. And uh, you realize quite quickly after that that by the time that your 18-month contract runs out on that phone, it will be so out of date, you know, and there will be so many more advanced phones out in between that time that you, you'll just be considered ancient, you know. And the happiness depletes very, very quickly. And the sorrow kicks in, and yeah. You're just not happy with it. You, you're waiting to be released from the bonds of your contract. And uh, I know I'm kind of making a bit of fun about that sort of stuff, but, there, but I'm just trying to get across the point that, that happiness, it, it does, it, it really does just come and go. Yet through all of this, when we're looking at this from the, the biblical point of view and back to Paul, and um, he commands us to rejoice, to rejoice, you know, whatever we're going through, because the, the truth is, some of us probably turned up this morning and we weren't very happy. You know, I don't know what kind of weeks or days you guys have all had. Um, mine's been okay. I've been stripping wood chip off my son's bedroom for the last week. I've not been very happy most of this week. That stuff is awful to get off. You kind of have to do the room twice. Yeah, I can see a lot of nods. Just, yeah. Who, who thought of that stuff? It is just ridiculous. You know, it, it does just cover up dodgy plastering really, doesn't it? That's all it is. Um, 
But yeah, I've spent many nights with a steamer in my son's small room, you know, sweating. Uh, we've got quite tall ceilings, and with me being very, not very tall anyway, you know, it, I'm at a disadvantage. So you're up a stepladder, you've got the steamer in one hand, you're scraping away in the other, you know, people, M's going, how's it getting on? Yes, it's fine, it's fine, it's coming off in small clumps about that big. You know, this thing takes days to get through. But... So, so, yeah, you know, there wasn't much happiness in that situation. But, but you know, some of you guys probably go through far worse things than getting wood chip off your wall. You know, we do. There are times in life where things are a bit rubbish. And, you know, relationships with people may not be going so well. And that can feel very much like you're trapped. Um, I've recently stopped looking at Facebook very much because, you know, I kind of look at it and I just think, why is everybody else's life so much better than mine? You know, everyone posts these amazing, you know, posts about how great their day has been. And I just think, my day was flipping rubbish, you know. Why is it that everyone else is having, you know. And this thing, for me personally, I'm not saying this is a bad thing at all. If you love Facebook, fair enough. But for me, it, it was one of these things that started to get me down a little bit. Because I would, you know, I'm probably built that way or whatever. But I would look at other people and just think, oh, I, wish, I wish that I was doing that today. You know, instead of being stuck in work for a nine-hour shift with the aircon broke and the hairdryer's going all day. I'm a hairdresser, by the way. But, um, you know, sweating, things like that. You know, you're kind of looking at people in the park with their ice creams on their six weeks' holidays. And, you know, the teachers among you today, I'll probably scowl at you a little bit. But um, you kind of look at that, and it, it, can, it can become... I know that's very light, but these things can become quite, quite heavy quite quickly. You start to compare, and that can become a, a constraint, you know... It, almost a prison for us and things. We go through life and some things kind of chain us in. You know, we, we, we can still live in our house, but it's almost like we are under a house arrest. Some, you know, the boss might be giving us a hard time. Friends, family might be giving us a hard time. There may be a bereavement that, you know, that, that is causing you to feel like you're in some sort of prison of sadness. Or something. I don't know. I, I don't know where you are, you know, but, but you do. But through all of this, Paul says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And I believe that he puts emphasis on that for a reason, because it is very important to get the grasp of having joy in your life, regardless of what you're going through. Paul was in prison, but he he was telling others to rejoice, and he was rejoicing himself. He is a man that he's got very little freedom, you know, let alone anything else, and yet he's living this joyful way. So I believe part of this is, is the pursuit of joy. It's chasing joy. And another thing, being content. And I think this is one of those things that in this passage, it's really, really important. And I think that, and I kind of hope and I pray that this is going to change our, our minds and our thinking and, you know, the way that we are. Um, and challenges. Um, if we go back to Philippians um, Eight to nine, sorry, I'm just going to have to drag this up because I realise I haven't actually put this out. Bear with me just one moment. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Um, in the letter to the Romans, um, Romans 12, verse 2, 
It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think a lot of this comes down to where we're focusing our thoughts. And um, it, it can come down to a bit of, you know, positive mental attitude almost. You know, what, what is our focus on? What is our attention on? You know, our minds, I know I've been through this a lot over the past few years or whatever. You know, it, it, your mind can feel like a battlefield sometimes. You know, you, you're trying to, trying to do your best. You're trying to be good. You're trying to be holy. You're trying to be, you know, the, the best follower of Jesus that you can be. You know, the best example of a good Christian that you can be. But you feel bombarded, you know, by sometimes thoughts, sometimes people. And your mind, you know, it can, it can go into, like, overdrive. And, you know, you just feel like there's, there's kind of everything's just going a bit crazy. You know, and it can take real effort to change our ways of thinking, but the more that we try to do this and the more that we put it into practice, I believe the better we'll get at it. You know, it'll become more than just a positive mental attitude, you know, more than just positive thinking. Positive thinking is nice, but when it becomes more than that, when it becomes a lifestyle, you know, and an action and the way that we live, then it becomes the person that we are. You know, I've, I've, I look at some of... Um, my mum and dad's friends, mum and dad um, go to a different church and their congregation is predominantly older um, by, by quite a lot. And I look at a lot of those people and I, and I see this, I see the content, you know, that they're content and that they, they seem to be full of joy, you know, even when they're going through the rubbish times. And when you ask them, you know, how is it you've got this far, you know, as a Christian things, they just say, it's because I practice it, I practice it. I practice it. It's take, it takes effort. It takes prayer. It takes, you know, going through some rubbish sometimes. But this is one of those things that, you know, I, I, I teach a little bit of guitar to a couple of people. One, one of my students is not here. She hates this word. She hates the fact that I'm constantly telling her this, to practice, practice, practice. You see, I think as, a, as um, the, the people that we are today, all we want to do is have everything right now. You know, we want to be able to do it right now. We can go get food right now, you know, delivered to your doorstep in 10 minutes if you can wait that long and things. You know, you, you, can, you can download films right now. You haven't got to wait anymore, you know, to go to a shop and go and collect it or anything like that. You can have it in your home, on your telly, by the flick of a button. Okay, everything is kind of on demand. And I think that that has got into our way of thinking. And I'm generalizing a little bit here, but I do think that that's got in there. People that I teach, you know, that I have taught guitar to and things, and like I say, my student at the minute, she wants to do it now. She wants to be able to do it right now. She wants to be very, very good now, you know, and you sort of get through a few bars of music, and she's going, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, you can practice. And then I'm given the evil eye, you know, of I don't want to put the time and the effort into this, you know. But you have to keep practicing, practicing practicing. And it's right there. It's in the Bible. It's in that letter that Paul says, you know, practice these things. It is not easy. It is not easy. You know, he's not saying it is. Jesus never said, you know, when you become a Christian, everything is going to become easy. Everything is going to become lovely and wonderful. Those things are available, but it takes practice, practice, practice. Go home and try it. And if you get it wrong, do it again. 
And if you get it wrong again, do it again. Because the more you do it and the more you get into this routine, the easier it becomes. You know, it, and it is one of these things. Again, speaking from a musical point of view, if you're like trying to learn a difficult piece of music, you don't start off at, you know, 240 beats per minute or anything. You, that's ludicrous. You start off really slowly, really slowly. You break it down into small chunks, small segments, and then you add to it, and you add to it. And as you get better, you kind of speed it up a little bit, you know. And when you try that, you'll realize that in a short space of time, this, act, this thing that was virtually impossible becomes so much easier, you know, and it becomes a part of you, you know. And then when you turn up to play in a band or do whatever it is you're doing, it's natural. It's one of these things that is so natural. I, I go to a guitar teacher and I look at him. You know, he plays things and he, he'll just sit there doing all this business and my mouth is just on the floor. But I know that to be that good, I have to practice. I have to practice. I have to practice. I have to go home. I have to study the, the music that he's given me. I have to break it down, start slowly. And hopefully, by the two weeks time that I go back to see him, it's one of those things that's actually in that, that short period of time has become quite natural. And we turn up and we play, and it's, it's great. And you feel the benefits of it. And like I say, it's one of these things. It's, it doesn't come easy to us, especially today with everything undermined. But it's one of those things that we, if we want to be the best in our field and we want to be the best kind of Christian, we have to practice. Doctors practice medicine. You know, they call it a practice for a reason. They are practicing to get better. Lawyers practice law. You know, they practice law. There is a reason for that word. You know, again, being a musician, I go away and I practice. And being a Christian, we have to practice it means the actual application or use of an idea, belief or method, as opposed to the theories relating to it. We can know everything about it, but unless we do it, it's not going to make one blind bit of difference. I know how to play fast guitar. I can't do it, but I know, I know the mechanics behind it. You know, I know how to be a nice person, but I don't always do it. You know, Emil vouch for that. You know, <clears throat> and that's just reality. You know, I, I know how to, 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 be, to be those things that Paul describes. But unless I practice them, I'll never attain it. It's, it's fine having the theory. It's fine having a, a head full of knowledge and a head full of the Bible. That is good. It is really, really good. It is important. But unless we're living it out, it doesn't really matter. So we have to practice it. It means being disciplined, determined, Lots and lots and lots and lots of hard work. I've just lost half of you with that, I think. But, but that's the truth of it. Is, it is hard work and it takes effort. But the joy that comes out of that is that it's, it's amazing. When you start to notice those changes and the improvements, you know, it is wonderful. And if we can apply that to, to living that life, to, to being like Jesus, then... What a difference that is going to make, not just to yourself, but to everyone around you. And the desire to do it will become greater as well. You know, the better you get at something, the more you kind of want to do it. You think, oh, brilliant, I've, I've, I've tackled that bit. I'm good at that. Right, next, you know. And that's, that's incredible. So being content, you know, that, that too is something that is, that is learned, I believe. 
And it needs to be continually practiced, as we've <laughs> kind of, I've bombarded you with, in order to master it. In vo- verses um, 11 and 12, back in that, that passage, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, <clears throat> and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every <clears throat> situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What a way to live. What a way to live. Whether he's got it all or absolutely nothing, he's full of joy and he's content. He's learned the secret. He knew what it was to be prosperous and poor, you know, full and hungry. He knew that to be content and, and it had to be practiced and, you know, continue to practice it. And he lets us into this little secret right at the end, which I think is one of the best things ever, that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's one of those verses in the Bible that I think quite often gets taken into, out of context and, you know, it can be used and banded around for many, many things. But when we bring it back into this letter and for what it was written for, you can do it. You can become a better person. You can do these things that Paul is telling you to do. You can learn to have that joy of the Lord in your heart, regardless of the circumstances. Now, I'm not there, so I can't tell you how, you know, I can't, I'm going to map that out for you at all. You've got to, you've got to discover that for yourselves. We're all on some journey, you know, individually. But the secret behind all of that is that we can do it because he gives us the strength. When we feel like we're, we can't do it, he'll strengthen you. You just have to ask. And so I'm kind of finished there. But my prayer for, for us this morning is that as we go out today to face whatever you know, life circumstances may have in store for us, whatever, you know, whether it be good or really not so good, you know, whether it's we're going through easy times or hard times, you know, that we would rejoice in him who holds us and gives us strength to be the people that he has called us to be, whether we're running in freedom or we feel that we're living in that jail under that house arrest. Take that away with you this morning, that I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So, Father, I just pray that as we, we go this morning and, uh, you know, we go have our dinner and we see family, friends, and we venture out into our weeks ahead, Lord God, whatever we are going through, Father, I just pray that, that we would take something from this, hopefully, Lord God, and that we would, you know, realize that, that this is a journey, that it can be very, very difficult, but we can do it through you who gives us strength. Lord, give us a, a heart and a mind to practice and the desire to become better people, Lord God, better Christians, better followers of you, Father God, for your glory and for your glory alone. Amen.